Kashia. Tis I, the Prince of Podcasting, the bipolar rock and roller, the god of goofiness. And this are you is, uh, uh, are you are you prohibited from using Schwambo on this show? Yeah, this is not the uh, this is not Pillowfort Radio. Okay, I, I this know. is Pillowfort Radio presents <laughs> the Fun Employment Files, episode forty. Forty episodes. <sighs> yeah, fuck yeah, do forty more. Yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah. Getting desperate. Yeah. <laughs> Forty is the desperate age. Yeah. We start. The show's really into World War Two now. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it! I am into World War Two, but I have been for like ten years now. Uh, and I'm here with the human incarnation of the infield fly rule, the former intercontinental champion for all of about fifteen minutes. Yeah. Solid. It was a solid. It's a good run. It was a good run. It's pretty great. So Chucky Tater Sax over there. And what's this song we came into? This is called Ride Down by Handsome. Handsome? Like Skilly Bop Bop Do. We'll actually talk about that. Adopt do. We'll actually talk not that bad. I think we'll talk about that. I was going to say they really changed their sound. Let's get to the chorus. Yeah, I've never heard the chorus yet. Oh, nice little halftime switch. See, they went from a double time to a half. That's nice. Yeah. This sounds like something I would like. Like... It's see this okay. You know you know they remind me of who? A little bit Switchfoot. Remember Switchfoot? It's fair. Uh, Switchfoot. Hey, nothing wrong with Switchfoot. They had some tunes. Dare You to Move was a great song. Dare You to Move was an incredible song. But the, okay, this is members of there was two hardcore bands, and for people who don't know, and I'm not even fully versed on the subject, but from what I can gather, and everything I've tried to learn about it, punk and hardcore are related, but they're not the same thing. In, this is where I'm like, oh god! I, I know, no I, I, I get it, I get I, it. Yeah, it's just it's too much to keep up with. For instrumental purposes, to in, as in instructing, um, the way it was described to me is this: uh, punk is fast. Songs are so, are very very three chord, short. Three yeah. chords, the truth. Yes. If you can't get it done in a minute, 45 seconds. Exactly. Two minutes, 2.30. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to be terribly talented to play punk. Yeah. It's more of an expression than it is actual music, even though there's some great punk bands. See, that's what I, that's that's sort of, uh, that aesthetic. You don't have to be an incredible musician to be able to, that's, that's. Okay. That's sort of what I do. On the, I don't. No, you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. uh, Okay. But on the other side of it, you have hardcore, which is. Sounds similar, similar image, similar, like, it's no long hair, it's not metal. Do they put each other through tables? Is is, is Sabu involved? Sometimes they probably do. Like, (laughs) you know, they are musicians with big egos and shit. Mick Foley's in there. Mick Foley. Hardcore Holly, <laughs> he got his corpse or carried it around. Fucking it, Terry it, Funk, isn't he dead? Hardcore Harley's dead. I have no idea. I think Crash Holly's dead. But um, they uh, there was two. Uh, well, it's three three bands that comprise this band. Uh, the Cro-Mags, uh, name Quicksand, cool and, name. and uh, Helmet. Helmet and Helmet had a great song in the nineties called uh, Unsung. You remember that one? 
Not sure, but I'll look it up real quick. Like, yeah, YouTube and stuff. Expeditiously. Remember, uh, fucking, was that Stand and Deliver? No, it was. Yes, it was uh, Lean on Me. Lean on Me. Expeditiously. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you smoke crack? Helm. Is it H M U T? No, it's E T. E T. Unsung. Unsung. That's the very first one that comes up. It's a great song. And you'll be able to hear the. It's got Flea in the video, it looks like. January 6th. No. It looked like Flea in the little screen grab. There I don't there. think it's him. I'm pretty sure he wasn't in. Hey, there's a new w- Underworld movie coming out. Yeah, we needed that, didn't we? I haven't seen any of them. I can't imagine they're good. I love Michael Sheen. He's such a good actor. Yeah, he better not be in it. His career. Nice bass I like heavy. that bass, yeah. It's tuned down. And they do a nice time change in this, too. It starts out with a real driver, and then it's just kicks, boom. Right now, it's sort of reminiscent of Chairbrook. Yes, it is, very much. Or maybe Chairbrook's reminiscent of this. I don't know which one came this out This was first. first. Band ahead of their time, kind of. Also, sort of reminiscent of STP. Cracker Man. Oh, you'd recognize it. See, these... Now, Helmet, as it's described to me, is almost the ideal hardcore band. They're heavy. They're somewhat melodic. They've got that driving bass line, but they're also stripped down. They are, there is no artifice. The guys wear baseball caps, jeans, yeah, they, T-shirts. They're, they're dressed very normal. Yeah, it's just guys who like playing heavy music without all the accoutrement. It really does look like Flea. It does. <laughs> um great song, but I think it's the drummer from Helmet who's in Handsome, and then those other two bands, Chromags and Quicksand, which had a couple good songs. You know, I'm not into it because I tried to get into it because I needed a new thing. You know, I was like, well, everybody's metalheads. I want to rebel. So I tried to get into, and but that actually led to my love of Bad Religion. I love Bad Religion. I think they're a great band. I'm not a fan, per se. I've never listened to a lot of Bad Religion. You can definitely pull that out. This is the fun employment files. We don't. This uh, is what we do. We the- fucking meander. <laughs> We're like we need to put out some content. <laughs> let's just uh, let's just record the yeah. regular conversation that we would normally have. Yeah. This is our conversation show. Let's see, uh, this is good. This it's sort of the vocals are sort of Aussie's Aussie esque. Yes. Yeah. His tone is very much like it. But again, okay. And here's playing fucking uh, Les Pauls. Here's Bad Religion Heaviest guitar ever Let me let me do a fade Okay Go ahead and start it Okay This is off uh, their See, most I, I like this Commercially successful album Which is Stranger Than Fiction See the similarity Yeah it's Very driving You know it's, it's got almost punkish And it's Tempo, boom, 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 boom. But it's got that, especially in a second, the, the melody starts coming up. I can tell Pearl Jam was influenced them, yeah, by them. Absolutely. These guys were uh, like a, been around since seven, 1980. Yeah, 1980 was their first album. Yeah, this. Yeah, this reminds me of a few Pearl Jam. Songs. Yeah. That Pearl Jam songs remind me of this, I guess. That is a probably my favorite song on that album. But then they had this song. 
This is a. Uh, this is probably my favorite Bad Religion song, which is Sacrilege. Because this also reminds me of yeah, Will Smith. because they say, well, if you like new Bad Religion, you don't really like them. You like. I'm it's like, so go dumb. go fuck yourself. I hate that. Yeah, me too. Love it. Fucking love it. Great, yeah. Bad Religion is a great band, and they have, there's a more of a catalog of this kind of Bad Religion than there is the old Bad Religion, which was a very much a, a punk band. So, um, it's, all, it's, it's reminiscent of uh, Dropkick Murphy, too, in a little bit. Or they're, well, the Dropkick Murphys are an Irish punk band, you know, yeah. so, and punk and hardcore have that tie-in. And that you find it annoying. I find it annoying, too, when people try to make the distinction too much. But I like when people try to do the discussion about yeah. it. I like where does where where does like the band family fall. tree. Yes. Like, a, like, the Misfits are considered a punk band. But I would argue that the Misfits have a bit of rockabilly in them. And you know, there's a very rollicking '60s feel to the to the. You know, I don't think I've ever heard a Misfits song. You never? Oh, okay, isn't that weird? Here we go again. Let me dip back into the pool. I'll play you my favorite Misfits song. Uh, yeah, I like this. Bad Religion. I need to get into them. Yeah, I, I think you'd really like them. Okay, here is my favorite Misfits song. That's Glenn Danzig, of course. I've heard this, yeah. Okay. See, they've got that boom, 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 boom. They're real punk and uh, hardcore, very bass heavy. Yeah. That's why Tool sounds more like a punk band than a hardcore band than they do a metal band, even though they have metal elements. They have screeching guitars, they have all that stuff, but they also have the heavy bass line, and they, were, they, they relied heavily on that bass line, you know? So that's why I love Tool. I love, I love anything with a good... That's my brother Ben started playing bass, so I started paying attention to the bassists, and he started playing before my younger brother did. So... Which one's better? Who's a better good uh, musician? Yeah. The question. <laughs> I mean, Ben was great, but he's workmanlike. I mean, he was he is a disciplined player. Yeah. And was a good player and can really show some uh, some real flash sometimes. But he I always, just I always thought Bradley was uh, disciplined too. But very every much now so. and then he would do some weird stuff. See, they're they're similar in that. Like they fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. If they were baseball players, they'd be like a Japanese baseball player. <laughs> just keep, keep practicing like until you're great. Tim you Duncan. Know? Yes, Basketball. just yeah, you know, just shoot so many buckets until you that you're shooting buckets all the time, you know. But um, that's like Ben was uh, Ben was really good. Like he he I could, remember I saw him play once. Uh, there was a time in Loser uh, that was uh, Matt Kaiser, Mark Farley, uh, Will Morgan, mm-hmm. and uh, Bradley was the bassist, and then they decided. It was just one show that I saw him do this. Ben played bass, mm-hmm. Brad played guitar, then they had three guitars. Yeah. And it was, uh, I played on a show with with them in fucking uh, the Oakland Gym in yeah, Smivers. Yeah, I remember that. I, I remember that, actually. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, it was fucking, it was pretty fucking incredible, because everybody up there was really fucking good. Yeah, there were no chumps on that and stage. And I, I was in the band that... We were pretty good, but we weren't that good. Which band were you in? Area Fifty One. I remember them. There was a there was a band from Somersville though, and their lead singer was a guy named Carl. And Carl, <laughs> Carl, and he actually was in a. I think it was Freak Show. Was the band maybe or uh, 
Carl. I can't remember anybody named Carl. He was a bit full of himself. You might be thinking about me back then. No, it was definitely not you. This guy had long hair and he was, you know. I never had long hair. Yeah. I, but he, um, the misfits are, uh, no, I was talking about Ben. Ben was a solid, like, like the the fundamentally sound baseball bass player. He he could have been if he was could step outside his comfort zone. He could have been great, like because he had the gift. He was you know the, him and Bradley got the musician gift. I tried and I sucked. You know I was just <laughs> but I also didn't have the discipline. I was too scatterbrained to ever really. If I'd have tried, I might have been good. Bradley was to him. It's all math. You know, so it's yeah, he's just a physicist for fuck's sake. Yeah, and uh, to him it was just. Well, you put this chord progression together and it's going to form this. You know, it's just simple math and what's going to be good. So, but he was also just, he would go through, like we've talked about this, go through a guitar teacher a week because they would be like, I you can't teach me anything more. What? Bradley's also a pretty good drummer. Yeah, I remember him starting to play drums too. Did you ever hear it? This was Will Morgan. It was Will, Will Morgan, John Morgan, and Bradley. Well, you have that. I have it, yeah. It's, uh, their band was called Kinder Alarm. And they put I don't remember that at all. Here, I'm pretty sure Bradley's playing drums on this. I'm pretty sure Brad's drumming this. I wouldn't doubt it. It's haunting. That's uh. It's Will Morgan Who's singing? Will It's good Yeah Yeah, those dudes are amazing Him and John and <laughs> You get him and John and Bradley together I was in bands with both of them That's so much brain power <laughs> like, you know, well, Imagine you, how well, dumb I felt <laughs> But you're an intelligent dude you're Well like Above Above You know, way above average intelligence But I'm saying that now you know how I feel around my brother. Like <laughs> Bradley, I'm, I think I'm above average intelligence, but in different things. Like I'm good at philosophy and, and history and stuff like that. I'm, I just have—it's not a gift. It's just something I'm interested in, so I educate myself in it. Bradley has always been like just thinking on a different level. I remember he was a little little kid, and he tied this thing in a knot. That it took a, my mom a knife to get through. Like, she could not unfurl this knot to untie this G.I. Joe cake. <laughs> this G.I. Joe guy <laughs> off the fucking one of the banisters of the porch. Torturing she got G.I. so <laughs> mad. No, he was. He just did it because he was just, like, intricately putting it together, and it would not come off. Like she, I, bet he I bet Bradley, if he'd, have, if he'd have focused on it, would have been a great knitter. Anything Bradley picked up, if he if he does, he has that razor sharp focus, and he always did. But so did my brother Ben. Ben has razor sharp focus, and and you got all the ADD. Yeah, I did. Like <laughs> same it, thing it, with me. It came into me hard, you know. Like if it was, it, it would have been, you know. But I, but you know, you, I'm you're pretty right. sure Bradley was drumming that. I'm not 100% sure, but I know he that, was a good drummer too. I know that they had a th they had a band up there in Morgantown. Yes. And it was called Simple Machines and then they changed the name and I think he was still drumming for them. Yeah, he Bradley could play bass as well. I mean, he Yeah, he, that was what I mostly saw him play was bass. <laughs> and bass to him I think was kind of like, eh, I'll just, you know, just going to back everybody up here. I and played then, bass. And then bang, 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 and he, he was able to do stuff like that. And, I, you know. I was in the band. It was me, Chris Stockwell, Matt Kaiser, and John Morgan. And John would go back and forth between playing guitar and key. Sometimes he would do both. Mm -hmm. 
and I, I played bass in that. It's a lot more difficult than people give it credit because if you want to be good at it, you can't just well, that's what you can't, can't just thump the root well, note of every chord. Well, which is Bradley, a lot of what I did, especially when I was singing, because I couldn't do both. Yeah, at the same time. I think that would be extremely difficult. But like Les Claypool, how the fuck does he pull that one off? Because he's he's got to have two brains. He's amazing. But um, me and Bradley actually had that discussion. Um, is the bass an easier instrument? And I think what we settled on is that initially, yes, it's an easier instrument because you have to, it's just, you know, you're just doing a, a basis for a song. You know what I mean? Like it's, you can be an adequate bass player and just play the root notes of, right. of the chord that you're on. Right. And nobody will really complain about it. Exactly. But like, um, like a Paul McCartney, a Jeff Allman from Pearl Jam. Yes. Uh, well, that's what we were talking about. Like Stu Ham. Yeah. Bradley was always into the guys who were pure musicians. Like, you know, Stu Ham. Uh, I, he, I know John was into Jaco Pastorius. That's the one. Weather Report, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, stuff that is incredibly difficult to play. Rush. You know, Rush is just musically. Getty Lee is a ridiculous yeah. bass player. And Neil, and Neil, sting, and Neil uh, Pert is fucking, you know, one of the greatest. The biggest drum set ever. <laughs> yeah, and he could play it and all. He, yeah, he played the whole thing, too. <laughs> yeah. He did play the it whole thing. It wasn't for show. He yeah. could fucking play it. He wasn't fucking around. Um, and that's, you know, I love being around those guys. Like, you know, being around John is someone around, like being around my brother because they're just, they're operating on a different plane. And they're, I don't canonize them, but I just. Well, he's a superhero. John's a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> he's a regenerative farming superhero. Yeah, he's the uh, the Rob Schneider of regenerative farming. <laughs> what well, I, I was trying to think of a superhero that he could be. It wouldn't be like the Superman type hero who's all destructive. It would be like the more supportive hero. Yeah. So. <laughs> he's the guy that goes in and makes things better after Superman fucks yeah. up. He's like, this building's torn down. Oh, here's what we're going to do. Let's put a fucking community garden here. <laughs> yeah. And he fed the whole neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> then the building beside it's all fucked up. Well, let's fucking plow it and uh, put a little electric fence around it. We'll put some hogs in there, baby. It's going to be fun. <laughs> um, now with those guys, you know, and back to the original thing. Uh, we really did meander there. We did, but it's, it's what this it's, is all about. It's what this show is. Uh, punk is just aggression. You know, da, 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 let's get it out, you know. And there were so many levels to punk. Like, there's even, even racist punk where there was like, you know, I, I think at, at first Agnostic Front was a, which became one of the benchmarks. You know, people talk about Agnostic Front in the same breath. They talk about like Black Flag, bands like that, was initially a, a Nazi neo-nazi band if i'm not if i'm not if what i heard is correct yeah there is a whole genre of white supremacist music punk yes it's white supremacist punk and, and it's it's record label is right here in beautiful west virginia is it really yes is it run by that idiot who runs that church up there who says that white people were meant to be probably I don't know. it's like that guy on tv like i have a major problem with the fact that they are operating on such misinformation, you know, like, you know, they, they have this illusion that white people are, let's, this went on a big meander here. Oh, yeah. So let me just say this. Okay. It's not like I'm there's nothing it. wrong with being with a little bump and grind. <laughs> Great musician. Um, there is nothing wrong with. Uh, identifying with your white roots or European roots, whatever. It's just like anything else. I don't, you know, you say, uh, since you've said it's, it's foolish to be proud of something. I don't really uh, mean foolish. I I just find it weird. But, but I didn't take what you said and and just form my opinion on that. I actually sat down and thought about it. You know, like, you know, uh, yes, uh, 
But it's all right to be happy about that you hit some kind of genetic lottery when you got born to a certain group of people. Yeah. Because certain groups of people have certain cultures, let's say, have different things that make them great. Um, to intimate, though, that your culture is superior and that you've been the ones, for one thing, if you want to technical, if you want to be technical about it, where do you classify the Spanish? They are not Anglo. They're a different group. Talking about Spain, Spanish. Yes. So they're the ones who did most of the conquering here of America. So you can't say that a, to be a white person is, as that moron said on TV, a conqueror and all that horseshit. It's just not true. Yeah. Because you are operating on some assumptions that the British came here. It's really scavengers, really. Well, <laughs> yes, in large part, but also why the eagle is perfect. For our, the uh, eagle is, is it most certainly is, um, but also the the sheer fact that we that Europeans were technologically less than the people they conquered. That is the juxtaposition that most Native American tribes were more technologically advanced than the only difference was guns, right? That's the thing. There is a book out called Guns, Germs, and Steel, and it's. Its point is, is that those are the driving forces of history, though that, that triumvirate, guns, guns, germs, and steel. And the cultures who conquer those three things are the successful cultures. And that doesn't make them smarter. That doesn't make them better. That doesn't make them anything. If they have those things in their corner, that makes them better. So that makes them win. Okay. So. They were talking about, again, I was talking about how the Aztecs, when the Spanish came here and they saw the cities and they said, I have to be dreaming and all that shit. That's true. But then it kind of got warped where they were admiring of it and then they started to hate it because yeah. they turned around and said, look at the fucking shithole we came from. Where play? Why do these people get to have those? Well, because they fucking built it. They yeah, were. they're not even. They're here, And here's where Christianity went crazy. They're not even Christians. They're beasts who are operating. There was a time where they act, where people actually believed that animals and people could mate and create issue. <laughs> so they thought that they would be a huge issue. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, you go to I jail mean, for that now. I, I mean, who wouldn't <laughs> want to have a half tiger kid? You know, That'd be pretty dope. <laughs> it would be pretty Just stalking you. <laughs> Can't play fucking catch with the son of a bitch. <laughs> get all the you get the one that get all the bad qualities of the tiger, though. It's like. Fucking, it's you, but it's like really territorial, yeah. and it's fucking trying you know. to change his diaper and it scratches. <laughs> yeah, all that shit. Then you have the one kid who got all the good qualities, he's a big, powerful person. He's got a a, a, a colorful coat. Yeah. It's pretty neat. <laughs> but anyway, that's what they thought, and and they inflicted all of that resentment on those people and destroyed all that beauty that they saw. We won't even. They don't even know. Exactly what the Aztecs and all those people had because it was destroyed so thoroughly. Now all they have is first hand uh, first hand accounts of people who were who went there. And I'm sure they destroyed all their uh, writings and everything. Oh, absolutely! They took all the Mayan codexes. They took all that stuff and they burned them in a fire and called them pagan writings. They did all that shit in the name of Christianity, and then they were killing women and children and infants and saying and said, "Well, we're sending a big harvest up to you, Lord." <laughs> that was their fucking thing. That's when harvest. Yeah, that's yes. That's when we were talking about the abortion thing. How they're just ready made going to heaven all the time. Yeah, you know that's. Basically what they were thinking, you know, so I know we went on a big thing there, but I'm just saying that, uh, you know, that that white people bullshit, you know, that that, that this punk 
and the, and that guy who runs that church here in West Virginia, he's been on TV a lot, a lot, a lot of times. Like they do documentaries. He's always the go to because yeah. he'll say the shit. Pretty sure he's the one that runs that. Yes. He'll say it label. and he'll say it without any kind of irony. He'll say it without any kind of understanding of what he's actually saying. Well, the, the people that believe like the, the, uh, the white people are the superior race and all that stuff. And, yeah. And the, a lot of Trump supporters, a lot, hell, a lot, a lot of everybody, they have no sense of irony. They can't sniff it out. Like, uh, remember, 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 remember last year, uh, I did the, uh, the Belva Mall ad. Yes. <laughs> One of the best things you ever And I, and I put it on YouTube and, yeah. Like, uh, somebody showed it to some of her coworkers and they're like, well, he's obviously a racist. This, this guy is obviously racist and, I can't believe you would associate associate yourself with somebody <laughs> like that. And she she has told me that like they they have no sense of irony. They can't right. Everything is everything's black and white. You can't be satirical. You can't be silly. Well, see, it it's the difference. Like, these are like uh, people that love Jeff Foxworthy. Yeah, I'm not saying Jeff Foxworthy is bad. No, he's bad. It's, it's I think he's all right. I think he's a clever man for what he did, but he knows who he's playing to. Yeah. But like they, they see no sense of irony. Like they can't, uh, like jokes are often lost on these people. Yeah. And so my Belva Mall thing got me painted as a racist in an office somewhere, <laughs> which I what thought you, was hilarious. What you, what you see is a symbol of hate. We see as fucking great. <laughs> we think it's fucking well, great. Let me look that up. <laughs> It's been a while since I've heard it. Calvin pissing on things. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a brilliant bit. I thought it was a fucking, you know. Um, yeah, but you're right. They, the people on the far left, uh, far left and the far right are both dumb in their own ways, you know. Yeah, it's, does this really sound racist? Okay. Let's respond to this. Unfortunately, we uh, weren't able to. Hear how young and fresh that man is. what they said in their ad. Uh, but they've already paid us, and we've already spent the money. So we're just <laughs> going to go ahead and read the ad as they put it, even though we may not necessarily agree with what it says. So here goes our first ad. Recently, big box retailers such as Walmart, eBay, Amazon, and Sears have announced that they will no longer carry Confederate flag memorabilia. <laughs> Worry not, my southern brothers and sisters. You can always head to the Belva Mall, located in scenic Belva, West Virginia, where you'll find an array of Confederate flags and Confederate flag-related items perfect for the good old boy on the go. Arrive at your sweetheart's door with the stylish It's a White Thing You Wouldn't Understand t-shirt. Go out on the town with your boys in our elegant leather vest, with the South Will Rise Again painstakingly embroidered across the shoulders. Protest a filthy gay wedding in our elegant and always classy heritage, not hate t-shirt with matching trucker hat. If it's not just clothing you're looking for, we've got your lily white hind end covered. Always arrive in style by adorning your unreasonably jacked up truck with an assortment of illegal decals featuring Calvin, Pissing on things like the Ford logo, the Chevy logo, any NASCAR driver's number, President Obama, First Lady Michelle Obama, 
And don't forget about the first daughters. You gotta collect them all. If it's Confederate flags you want, you're in luck, Sally Jesse Raphael. We have your standard flag, of course, but if you want to spice it up, try a Confederate flag that has a picture of a Native American chief right smack in the middle of it. The irony is rich and succulent. Come on down to the Belva Mall, because what some think is a symbol of hate, we think is fucking great. <laughs> it's great. Love Fantastic. It. Still good. Holds up. <laughs> no, they. You're right. They they have no sense of. They just. Did that sound racist? <laughs> It sounded horribly racist, but so over the top <laughs> that how could you not get that they were being that someone was being ironic? Even even the most unabashed racist, other than that guy who we were talking about, that's Trump's guy, who tried to claim what he said wasn't racist. Well, yeah. well, well, before they say something racist, that's usually the tactic. I don't want to sound racist, yeah. but anytime somebody says that, guarantee racism yeah. is coming right and right up the that's pipe. When you're like, <laughs> here it comes, you know. And or they'll launch into something and then mid sentence say, "I don't want to be called racist or anything." But I, I get so weary of just trying to it, people. The misinformation is so prevalent. Once you really start educating yourself on what actually happened during things during yeah. history, once you see how even maps like the Mercator projection of the map is a racist map. Because yeah. it, it shows America is the biggest. Yes, and it shows Africa, Africa, which has three times the landmass of the United fit States. Everything into Africa. Yes, except for maybe China. Yeah, and Russia. Yeah, it's 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 the world's largest landmass and it holds. It doesn't hold the most people. I think um, a lot of jungle. Well, a lot of undeveloped. Yeah, you know, there's there's African savanna where. See, they're they're in the interesting position of having vast resources. But also, they're they're a giant West Virginia. Africa is a giant West Virginia. <laughs> they have a, a poor, uneducated populace who are struggling for independence and who are fighting against it and uh, are good people. And you have a bunch of outside interests controlling them still to this day. I mean, the African slave trade quit. But, you know, what I find so bitterly ironic is that you have stars like rap, especially hip hop stars who are African-American. Or Af- of African descent, and they wear lots of diamonds. And I would like to go up to them and say, "You know how bitterly ironic it is that you're wearing that <laughs> in such profusion, because so many lives are destroyed by that trade, and you don't even understand it." And they don't understand that they're not worth anything either. Yeah, they're not really not. Um, it's a case of the, the emperor's new clothes, the, like you said. The international whatever diamond conglomerate, whatever mm-hmm. the fuck it is, uh, they've made an agreement. To put them, put the diamonds away, and only release so many, yeah, so as to drive up the value. It, it's but there's it's it is so plentiful. Diamonds are so plentiful. Yeah, they use them on they use them on drill bits. Yeah, they use them on. If it was really that valuable, would you put it on the end of a drill to drill into something? I don't fucking think so. Here's a here's a a map of all the shit that'll fit in Africa. Yes, <laughs> pretty much everything. Yes, and. Uh, but also you have Africans, um, because also the colonization influence is so big there. You have, uh, large swaths of Africa that are Muslim. Like the Muslims came in there in force. Then you had, uh, South Africa, especially, which is, uh, settled, uh, settled by the Dutch. Hey. And, and they're Boers. 
<laughs> just used him there in a hat. <laughs> this is all mine now. Um, I keep it. <laughs> then you have uh, parts, you know, the Britain had a few colonies there. France had some. There was French Angola. There's places like that. You know, it's such an odd place in the in that way. And, you know, the people have virtually no control of their governments. They're still subject to the whim of outside forces. If they would actually unite all behind one banner and say, hey, we're all Africans and we're taking this shit over, there would be nobody to resist them because they're just they, – they have too much at their disposal. They have too much land. They have too many resources. If they would just – you know, carve out a massive part of the continent to create one nation for for African people, they would be unstoppable. There would be no force on earth. There would be no nation. Even we would be hard pressed with our superior military to stop them Unless because they use nukes. Well, that's the thing. How would that go down? If you see, it's like China now. Apply that to China. China has been building the world's strongest economy for a long long time now. And we don't like it, so therefore we try to hamstring China because they're stealing our thunder. Britain tried to do the same thing to us, but you know what happened with that? Mm-hmm. World War One happened. And who was bankrolling Britain? We were. It was like a fucking... <laughs> and who was bankrolling Germany? We, we were. were. You know, they. Uh, Dan Carlin made the best. Of course, he always has the best analogy. You guys, listen to Dan Carlin. Please listen to Dan Carlin. He said, you could have put a giant vacuum cleaner in the stock market of fucking New York, and it's sucking up all the world's wealth to fight these wars. The The stock exchange literally went from Britain, which was the center of world commerce in that age, to New York, where it currently resides. That was the turning point. If Africa would do that, it would be the turning point for everything. Because... Nobody would be able to resist them and, financially. I can, you know, and they have so many natural resources too. Like yes, all the weird little elements that go into our phones. Yes, that's it, all there, and if, it's all done by slaves. Exactly, it's See, all dug out by slaves. That's the thing. If you know, we don't here in West Virginia, we have an idea of what it is to be poor. We are poor. I mean, but in a more that was you, I think maybe I in know. a more in a more American context, we're poor. Uh, we have plenty to eat. Um, for the most part, there's some homeless people, but it's not like in the hundreds of millions or anything. It, there's, I don't even know how many. There's no child soldiers here in West Virginia. Yeah, there's we don't no, have there's that. none of that we, shit. Like what you can get a, you can work. How old is it before you're allowed to actually have a job? 14, I think. 14, is you the, get like a little part-time job. Yeah, they're putting kids that are five years old to work in the diamond in mines. mines. Yeah. yeah. That's what they, that's what they did. To the they <laughs> used to do that to us here. Yeah, we used to have child coal miners here and stuff. Oh, absolutely. And then we went to fucking war right. about it. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the thing. That's what the the Africans should do. And I say we in the royal we. I didn't. I've never, never fought anybody hardly. So. <laughs> well, but I'm, our and our families did. Yeah, our ancestors we, are probably, direct ancestors. Probably my great grandfather. Yes, my grandfather. Probably. Yeah, uh, my you know my grandmother was alive during. Uh, during the coal mine war, and uh, I don't, I know mine was, but I don't, I don't know if my grandpa was a coal miner or anything. Obviously, it's probably pretty likely that he was. He's from Somersville, so there's, it's. I don't, I don't know, I don't know where they're from. They're not from that area. My family's from Somersville, actually. There's a Keenan Road. Yeah, I, there. I went back yeah. the other day. Yeah. Um, I don't know where they were from. Uh, I think they lived in Baltimore for a while. Really? Yeah. I'm really not sure. I've been told. I just don't remember. It's fun to trace because, you know, um, but the 
I had to tell my daughter, and you know, she didn't know this, and I can't believe she didn't know it. I can't believe I hadn't told her yet um, about a time when West Virginia families didn't have American money to spend. Yeah, we had script. Yeah. So, and I also somebody almost tried to somebody tried to call me a liar in Ohio about that. So that can't be real. The United States wouldn't allow that to happen. Oh, yes, they would. I was like, oh, they wouldn't, huh? Well, tell you what. Here's what I want you to do. And I and I brought and I remember I remember dropping this the movie in front of him as a copy of Mate One. I said, why don't you take that home and fucking watch it and Mate tell One's me I'm essentially a documentary. Lying. Yes, it is. And I love it when uh, James Earl Jones calls whoever it was a peck of wood. That is the greatest. We watched that movie in history class. Yes, that's how close. That's that one of my favorite lines. He's like scab. He's like you watch your mouth, peck of wood. I said, I've been called lots of things. I've been called worse than nigga. I ain't never been called no scab. <laughs> and that's the thing too. We were talking about this at work the other day. West Virginia is unique, and I'm even talking about as opposed to Kentucky. West Virginia is unique in that they're the only state that that its entirety is in the Appalachians. Yeah. So, and especially here in the southern coal fields, poverty was so rampant that they tried segregation. Didn't fucking work. Nope. Because it was like, well, these people have to go in the mines, too, and they're black. And the old saying was, uh, everybody's black in the coal mines. Yeah. So, that's that's the way, you know... That that massive level of poverty and that hard work has a way of leveling people as human beings. You know what the deal is that segregation didn't work here, yet we have still we still have so many racists. Well, because we still have those sentiments. Because that's that's one of the things that the that governments do and groups do, especially in commerce. They, they try to break you down along those lines: religious, ethnic, cultural. They tried to get See that's one of the great parts About Mate Wants One of the most beautiful things Is when all the different musicians From the different camps Who were, had segregated themselves Started playing together That's a metaphor The black guy was playing the harmonica The Italian guy was playing the fiddle And there was you know a, a, Just a regular old Hillbilly Scots Irish family And they were playing Like playing the guitar or something You know what I mean And they all started playing together And everybody was working together That's the true Brilliance of the whole thing is the fact that you have all these people doing this job that not every human being can do, and that's one of the reasons that the, it's so hard to get through the coal miners' heads. Not not the coal miners. I'm not trying to lump them in together, but when they're when you're sold an image, yeah, that this is what you are, and you should be proud to be that, and they should. They should be proud to go into a job that is harder than a job that any of any uh, any other human being can even imagine, and able to do that job. And, and, and come out of that hole every day and make a living at it and send your kids to college and live in a place that is inhospitable. Even to the Native Americans, it was inhospitable, like me and John and all of us were talking about. We carved a home out of a place that was virtually inhospitable. The Native Americans were like, fuck. Inhospitable or inhabitable? Inhospitable. It, it was habitable, but not like the easiest place Inhospitable to means it, it, you have to scrabble existence from it. How are you going to farm on the side of a fucking mountain? Can't really. You can Don't do really it. have excavators back then. Exactly. How are you going to have a home built on the side of a sheer mountain? Can't really. So you're going to have to carve it out of the mountainside. Dude, they're all over the fucking place. Yes. <laughs> got to carve them out of the mountainside, or you got to build a house on stilts, or you got to do something. Or you got to do both. Yeah. And that's one of the beauty parts about our people, the Appalachian people. It, the The rope belt is the ultimate symbol for the Appalachians. I don't have a belt, but I've got this, and I'm going to make it fucking work. Boom. Now I've got a fucking belt. It's true. So I've done that myself. That's one of the things I love about our state, is that we're united in that, regardless of color. 
So you have the idiot races out there, bunch of niggers. Well, what the fuck do you even fucking know, buddy? You're from a state where they consider you. When they see you from the, the outside, rest of the world, you're no better than fucking anybody else, buddy. You know, your your life doesn't mean as much. Look at that chemical spill everybody's making jokes about. There's fucking poison in our water, and it was funny to the rest of the United States. <laughs> it was, yeah. So and that's why, you know, even I see the resentment to people like Stephen Colbert and John Stewart and people like that who made a joke about that instead of saying, those people in West Virginia have gotten a raw fucking deal. Maybe we should look into this instead of just filing them off as fucking dumb hillbillies like they fucking do. And they still do that. All the time. So that's bullshit. You know that 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 we're that we're treated that way. We're treated as less because we're from this state. Who's who else is going to dig your fucking mind out? Who else is going to get cancer for you? Who else is going to do all those things? You know what <laughs> I mean? Sorry, I mean no, I, it's, it's I know I always take shit. Anyway, over. punk sorry. rock. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where we we were at the Misfits, and then uh, we went into the the, the all, racist the racist, and then that's where we got to where we got, where we were at. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn Danzig, huh? Yeah. In the Misfits. Mother. Actually reunited with him recently. Did he? Yep. Is that like a one-time show? No, I think it's going to be a, a tour. He must, he must need some money. Glenn Danzig doesn't need any money. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I heard he's like a smart businessman. Always has been. And a touted fighter until somebody got a video of him getting his ass handed to him. <laughs> but that was set up. You could tell it was set up. <laughs> there was somebody just waiting there with a camera on him. You know, they were going to try to piss him off and see if they could get him to fight. And they got this big guy who looked like a big fat guy, but who was a big fucking dude and hit Glenn Danzig. Glenn Danzig is not a very large man. He's, he's very muscular, but he's what, not three foot, eight, three foot 11. <laughs> he's fucking small. He's, he's in shape. He, he was one of those guys. He, he worked out and he was one of those dudes, but, and he actually knows martial arts. But when a guy that much bigger than you is going to do something, you, you're going to lose. Sneak attack on you. Especially. Yeah. Yeah. He, he actually did swing a sucker punch at him. Glenn pushed him. Then he just threw a punch. Knocked him out, basically. So that's terrible. It is. Punching. You ever been sucker punched? Yes, I have not. Except for I don't count my brothers, but like from an outsider, I don't. I have never been sucker punched. Yes, I've been sucker punched. I've been. Uh, I, I've also been the inadvertent recipient of the punch, <laughs> which is where somebody ducked. If, no, th- was it like the old tag team spot where you're holding your partner for the other guy to hit and he ducks? <laughs> yes, almost. I was breaking up two guys, and the one guy was really drunk, and he was like a fraternity brother and punched me. And I gave him one of these <laughs> and grabbed him and pushed him up against the fucking Hogan. Them? Yes, I did, actually. I was actually quite proud of it because he hit me. Boom. And it snapped my head around. But I was, adrenaline was pumping, and it didn't really hurt at all. It just was kind of like Georgia. I was like, shit. I grabbed him and slung him up against the door. I said, calm the fuck down. What's wrong with you? <laughs> you know. Good on you for not hitting him back. Well, he was a, I like him still. He was a friend of mine. And he I didn't, might have given and him he didn't mean shot. to. He didn't mean to. So we've talked about it. Like, we laughed about it. He's a, he's a good dude. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's the show. It's all fucking <laughs> philosophical meandering. I watched Inside Out last night. Great, isn't it? Yeah, dude. It's really fucking good. Get you right in the feels. When uh, Bing Bong faded away oh. there in that pit, I started. God, out. that was terrible. Oh, God. You know that me and one Andy Frampton went and saw that movie together. Here they are. And I cry. I, I don't care. I cry. You know, I, yeah. I make no secret of it because I think that's bullshit. I'm going to hold it down. Fuck you. Why? Unless it's a crisis situation, go ahead and cry. You know? You fucking hold it back, it ends up turning into an ulcer or oh, yeah. pancreatic cancer. <laughs> yeah, it's so, uh, during something creative. If that's what they're going for, and I know it, 
and that is engineered to make you cry, but it's also engineered to just be good. So, and the movie is fucking. The movie good. is really fucking good. Pixar doesn't really have many misfires. All the uh, all the voices were great. Lewis Black was just Lewis Black was incredible. Did you hear his description though? When they asked him to do it, and he's reading it, he's like, "I don't even know what the fuck this is. What is what's going on?" Had, <laughs> That's him. They had the panel sitting around. They all started laughing, looking at him. He's like, "Oh, you know, he's he's just like not befuddled, but he's just he doesn't. He is from a different time, you know. Yeah, and uh, yeah, but he's." He did really well. It's Kristen Wiig. Uh, I don't know if it's Kristen Wiig. Uh, I know Phyllis from The Office plays Sadness. Yes. Does quite well with that, actually. Yeah, because it fucking it had like a whole lesson there where you need all the all the different emotions. Right. Like sadness leads to happiness. Yeah, it can. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty um, sure it is Kristen Wiig. I know Amy Poehler's the lead voice. She's Joy. Amy Poehler. That's her. That's her. I'm Phil sorry. Smith. Richard Kind was Bing Bong. Yeah. Bill Hader. Bill, who'd hit Bill Hader play? Fear. That's a good one. Louis Black's anger. Mindy Kaling is disgust. She was real good. Diane Lane was the mom. Kyle McLaughlin is a dad. Really? Paula Poundstone was forgetter Paula. Bobby Moynihan was forgetter Bobby. <laughs> Frank Oz. He was subconscious guard. Yeah. I don't remember. Flea. Flea and I think he just both were in that, I thought. John Ratzenberger. John Ratzenberger. Rashida Jones. John Ratzenberger really found a new life in the Pixar movies. He plays so many good voices. He's got such a distinct voice. He does, and he plays. He played the Abominable Snowman in fucking uh, Monsters, Inc. Yeah. He, he walks up with those snow cones, and he's like, oh, don't look at me that way. They're lemon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see Anthony Kiedis, but I thought I, I there's thought he was lots in. of uh, there's so many. Whenever they do those, there's so many voices. Yeah, he might have been uncredited. Um, Inside Out was great. Uh, Finding Dory, I need to see that. It's really good. I still haven't seen The Incredibles. I haven't Incredibles seen Monsters University. Good. Monsters University is good. It's not as good as Monsters Inc. My favorite one still was Wally. I, I know I, Wally I, know I would is. love Wally because I love uh, post apocalyptic movies. Yeah, and it's done in such a I don't think it's any coincidence that he looks quite a bit like Johnny Five. He does look. Yeah, it's always direct exactly ripoff from Johnny, like Johnny Five. Five. God, I loved that movie when I was a kid. I dude. did too. Who's Johnny? Elder Barge. <laughs> we need a hero. <laughs> it was going out for That's you. the second one when he was damaged yeah. and he's chasing Oscar or whoever the I fuck. I like the second one too. I like the both of them. one was good. I'm, I'm mean, sure if I rewatched them now, I would think they're both dog shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Fisher Stevens plays the greatest Indian fucking. He's better than a poo off the fucking Simpsons for being a, a so just an awful stereotype. <laughs> Could you not find an Indian guy? Well, it was it was hilarious though when one of the scientists is they're having the discussion and he's like, "Well, what what if he goes crazy and and liquefies an entire bus full of nuns? What's going to be that headline?" <laughs> He's like nun soup. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I I didn't know that that guy wasn't an Indian because the makeup was so good, and, and he does hair. look he he does look vaguely Indian, like yeah. he's, his features. Um, and he's a really good actor. Fisher Stevens, I don't think ever got the credit for how good of an actor he was. Fisher. Speaking of Fisher, Kay Fisher had a heart attack yesterday. I saw that. It's fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Apparently, she's doing okay now. Yeah. But that's fucking. Oh. They need to get that Star Wars movie. Yeah, yeah, really <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible that we think that. But everybody's thinking it. 
everybody is thinking. You know, she's even thinking. <laughs> yeah, she is. She's like, we really could get that filmed. You know, <laughs> um, Fisher Stevens, uh, Hail Caesar, Law and Order, <laughs> The Blacklist. That movie, that show's pretty decent. Yeah, Grand Budapest Hotel. I think I like that movie. I don't know. That's a uh, Wes Anderson. Yeah, mm, he was on Lost. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was. Was Ugly Betty? He was on one ep of Always Sunny. You know, uh, the game, of, the Game of Thrones writers wrote an episode of Always Sunny. You're shitting me, right? I think it's season nine, episode nine. That's so. I need to go back and yeah. watch it because I've seen every episode. But have you noticed that's that's going to become a thing now? The episode nine thing, like when the the ultimate, because that's what that's what Game of Thrones does. There's episode nine. And then there's the mop up with episode ten because episode nine this year was the big giant awesome fight, and then episode ten was like the was Cersei was episode ten Cersei doing her thing the fucking explosion yeah the kid nonchalantly jumping out of the window God man that was such a I went back and watched uh, hold the door or the door the other day (sighs) God it's fucking hard it's still hard watching you know. And I can't wait to see how he's going to write it. My brother got me the leathercloth editions of Game of Thrones. Got you like the buck. The the ones I told you about, remember? (laughs) Yeah. He got me those. Like the books? Yes. Oh, that's pretty dope. So I'm going to go back and read them all again. And I've got the World of Ice and Fire. I'm getting ready to go back down that rabbit hole. Like, just lose myself in a fantasy world for the next four years. You want to start a spinoff podcast of you only talking about Game of Thrones? We could. <laughs> I, I know enough about it to... You could just read it to to the listeners. And I could go into... We could play characters? We could do that. But you would want to be Terry. I want to be Khaleesi. It's Daenerys, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. But my, my buddy, my buddy though, a buddy of mine who I went to high school with, named his daughter Khaleesi. That's fucking dope. She was the f- she was the first one in the social security registry, like one of the first ones to have the name Khaleesi, well, how, which is a beautiful. How name. long ago was this? Oh, she's she'd be about five now. So this was right around uh, whenever uh, it started gaining popularity mm-hmm. from non book readers, right? You know, there's somebody because it can't start coming out in the '90s, right? Mid '90s. What, the books? Yeah. Books came out, first one came out in 95, I think. You know there's somebody from back then named Khaleesi, and there's a Tyrion running around. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, but also what you have to understand is is that George R. R. Martin started writing those books. In 1943. Actually, as kind of an experiment. He he had read, there's a series that we all fantasy writers until, here's the ironic part. There's a a fantasy series called Memory of Sorrow and Thorn by Tad Williams. It is great fucking fantasy. It is high fantasy at its best. And it was him, and there's another guy named Robert Jordan, who passed away before his series was done, called The Wheel of Time. And it came out roughly the same time. Did they get an, another writer to finish it? Yes, they did. Still Brian it? Sanderson. They he got it. They did it like VC Andrews? Yes. No, but they did. No, they said Brian Sanderson. Okay, because you know. they kept calling the VC Andrews books by VC Andrews, even though they got multiple. Yeah, different yeah. I, why I know this is because my ex-wife was a VC Andrews. I always want to read Flowers in the Attic. It was a very it's good, good story. It's a very yeah. good story. Um, but the movie is a god awful. They, yeah, they could remake they did that two. Now. They did two of them. Oh, really? They did one with Christy Swanson. Yeah, so back hot. in the day. Yeah, and it wasn't good. But then they did another one. Still wasn't good. But um, he, he wrote Memory, Sorrow, and Thorn, which is a great fucking book series. And it actually has Game of Thrones actually has elements of uh, Memory, Sorrow, and Thorn in it. Like there's an, an ancient race who was overthrown by men, and they're trying to fight back 
Only this time that the race, they didn't create something to destroy man like they did. Like the because you saw that the children of the forest are responsible for the for the White Walkers. Yeah. So, um, and this the races split on what to do. The ones who wanted to fight were called the Norns, and then the ones who said, "Well, we've had our time. This is the new race. Let's just fade back into the places they can't come. We'll diminish, and that'll be that." And we don't want bloodshed. We've never been about bloodshed. And they're called the Sithy. And they were originally all called the Sithy. <laughs> Bunch of Thithies. Bunch of Thithies. <laughs> actually, yeah. But um, it, it was neat because they had a, the main villain was a, it was a sympathetic villain because he, his father was of the, when men were, men were invading, they had, they had iron and they couldn't fight back against iron. And his father just sat in his throne. So he got so angry after he made this sword where he blended witchwood and iron together and made this awful sword. And his dad looked at him and said, you've done something that's awful. This is worse than us being destroyed. And he, in his rage and because he was sick from touching the metal, because they're based on fairies. Fairies can't touch iron. Sith even fairy. <laughs> I know, right? But he struck down his father, and then he became Anelikai, the Storm King. And he had these five other Sithi who became like these sorceress, powerful beings because they their their nature is magic, but they don't see it as magic. They call it the art or something like that, and it's bending things. And he said, "But you always got to pay for it." So there's that, and it's a. And George R. R. Martin has said that's the reason I wanted to write an epic fantasy because he's been writing for years and he had done kind of fantasy stuff before. He had written a vampire story, which is really great, called Fever Dream. It's a cool name. It Fever was Dream. oh, it's fucking awesome. It's a great book. He'd done quite a few things, but after he read Memory of Sorrow and Thorn, he's like, I got to write a fantasy series. But he made it purposely to be unfilmable <laughs> because he's the guy who wrote Beauty and the Beast for for TV. And he, he did yes he? with Ron Perlman and he said and the show was great. It's incredibly I did well, like it, it was like incredibly was well written, you know. The special effects weren't there because they didn't even it, have to put any makeup on Ron Perlman. Basically no. <laughs> <laughs> they had a great skit where it was uh where How's he never it, played Frankenstein? I Frankenstein's monster. I'm I don't sorry. know, but they had a great skit on Saturday Night Live where they went out on a double date and his <laughs> he had a guy with him and it was John Lovitz in that makeup but he wasn't like romantic or anything He was kind of like a schmo Yeah It's fucking hilarious <laughs> I remember that <laughs> But um You know Lovitz is amazing Oh he's great I love him <laughs> and everything But anyway that's And he wrote that For that reason He he wanted to write something That was That was epic fantasy But he also wanted to make it unfilmable So But he was thinking movies He started writing it Back in the 90s When They didn't have the Sopranos like the back story then. is too big For them to actually be able To fit too this many, into a yeah, movie Too many characters He said I wanted to write So many characters That you just couldn't film it And he succeeded Because they had to cut out Even for the show Even for the lots show Lots of characters So How do they get around that I want like a couple of storylines are not important Like they can be married Back into the main storyline Like Sir Barrison Is still alive in the book but he's doing basically what Tyrion is doing now, or D- Tyrion did until Daenerys showed back up, holding everybody Fucking together. Daenerys, love her. She's awesome. She does great. She's that. such a great actress, and she's she is so pretty. And she's better as a brunette. I think she's very pretty as a brunette. Yeah, I really like her as that fucking platinum blonde. Yeah, it's pretty. She's pretty great. But in the there's one thing I feel robbed because they they killed Sir Sir Barrison off in the in the show is that in this. Moment before they're going to go out and fight in marrying. There's no dragons. There's just 
her forces inside the Unsullied and a few gladiators and all kinds of stuff. They're getting ready to open the gates and start fighting. And he gives this speech, and that I feel great in is that I'm a good dialogue writer, but I'm not as good as he, him as he is yet, but I think I can be that good. He writes a speech that Sir Barrison gives, and it's not some Braveheart speech. He doesn't say, you know, blah, blah, blah. Freedom. He, what he says is, he says, just keep going. He said, I know you're scared. It's normal to be scared. He said, I, he said, if you shit your pants, keep fighting. You don't drop. He said, you drop your weapon, pick it up and keep fighting. He said, if you die, you die. He said, there are men sitting in taverns right now, though, that have spent their life. They'll be talking about those battles when they're old and gray. They said, and they fought through them and they won. And, and he said, and if you shit your pants, I did my first battle. Don't worry about it. All battlefields smell like shit. Just keep fighting. That's, and a, it's, <laughs> that's a pretty great, um, Way to spin that instead of doing the big motivational yes. speech. Because Sir Barrison had seen it all. He, he said, he said, the glory does not motivate men. He said, it does at first, but then it's butcher's work because then you just have to start killing other men. And he said, and the glory don't last after the first clash. He said, you really have to just gird up your loins and be willing to kill that other guy and just keep going and keep fighting. And he said, and you get so tired. He said, you'll never be so tired as you will be after a battle. And that's what they were showing. In Battle of the Bastards when, with John and all those guys, you're so fucking tired <laughs> because it's taking so much it's out like of you. Ten football games. Yes, you're fighting for your fucking life. You're swinging this big piece of metal that it might be light initially, but you, as all of us who've been in the gym, lift 15 pounds a thousand times. Mm-hmm. How fucking light is it going to be? And you've got all these guys and there's guys who are taking breaths so they can just swing it at, at each other again. That's basically what he's saying in that speech. Just keep going, keep fighting, because the other guy might get his breath back first. You know, that's a great fucking moment, and it won't be on the show. So that's just maybe they'll get somebody else to give the speech. No, because they've already left. They've already left uh, for Westeros. They've yeah. already they've already won. Maybe they'll do a callback to it, like a, a memory. They do that. Like actually, there's a scene. I know. I'm, do uh, your thing, girl. Uh, the scene where uh, the. What's the the Meister who turned the mountain into um? What is that fucker's name? The uh, sort of gay dude. He turned the mountain into the oh. monster. Okay, yeah. He had his chain taken because he was doing experiments on the li- on living people. Yeah. Um, he's actually Kyber. Kyber is actually not a bad guy. He's just a curious guy. He's a scientist, and, and that's the way they write him in the book that he's. He's intensely curious, and he's actually kind of grandfatherly. He's very kind, very soft-spoken, but he'll do shit out of sheer curiosity's sake. He's more of a Mengele type, you know. Um, but in the book, he calls Grandmaster Pycelle down to the cellars, yeah, and they and they and all those kids stab him to death. Yes. That happens in the book, but it's not him who gets stabbed to death. It was too great of a scene to leave out, so all they did was they changed the characters. In the book, it's Varys standing in uh, – he has killed Pycelle, slit his throat, and he's sitting in a chair, and he comes in, and Kevin Lannister, who is Cersei's uncle, who died in that explosion. Kevin McAllister. <laughs> he, got, he got left home alone and yeah. went crazy. Um, <laughs> but he comes walking up into the, uh, into the room. And then he sees Pycelle sitting there, and he first he thinks he's alive. He said, why the fuck is it so cold in here? Why is that window open? And then he turns around, there's Varys standing there with a crossbow. Boom. Fucking uh, shoots him. And that's when Varys delivers one of the best lines. He said, you loved your brother Tywin a lot, so I thought I'd kill you the way he went out to. <laughs> and then, and then, but then he goes on this speech, and he said, you know, I don't really bear you any 
ill will what Kyburn said. He said, I don't there. You're a good person. You don't really need to die, but you need to die. <laughs> you don't. It, it, you have to die for the greater good is what he's saying. And then all these kids come out and they stab Kevin Lannister to death. That's what happens. Man, you got to give those books a shot. They're really fucking great. So, I like the show. I, just, I know you like the show. <laughs> I'm just saying there's so many things they go into that are described so much better than the show could ever do. But also there's some things that are in the the show that aren't going to be in the book that I love. That fucking Mormont girl, the little Mormont girl who oh, the, talks the, shit. Yeah, she's fucking she's great. fucking awesome. <laughs> she, she looked at him and, and, you know, after all that, how many... Well, how many men can we expect from you? 62. And I'm like, 62. Yeah, but we're fierce here, and every one of my men is worth 10. You know, she's <laughs> <laughs> And then they bow to her because they know that she is giving all the men that she can. You know, that's they really flesh the characters out and do a very good job on the show. So. And how's that little girl such a good actress? She's I don't a, know. She's 11. I don't know, and she nailed it. Fucking like, and then nailed she it. shamed like the that wasn't even her best. That was one of her best scenes. But that's well, when she shamed the when rest. She of the- shamed the rest of the houses and said, "When he came to us, you refused the call." He said, "Even though you're bannerman to this man, even though he's a Stark, even though you know he's the king of the North, and that's who we fucking bow to." You know what I mean? And not not some Southern king is basically what the Great John said. Some Southern twat is what he called him. <laughs> Uh, but basically, she shamed all of them. She said, "We stood with him. We knew he could have lost." He said, "And he said, you 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 forgot your oaths when times got tough." He said, "That's not what you do. If you swear an oath, you fucking fulfill it." He said, "What are we a bunch of phrase?" You know. So it was. I thought that was neat. It's, it's, good. it's a neat show. She's really good at the, yeah. She was uh, at the acting thing. Yeah. Anything else you want to blabber about, sir? No, I pretty much have. Done what I do every fucking time. <laughs> That's why we come here. Yeah. Let me play it. See if I can find the song that I want. Let's see if it's a, a good version. All right. Yeah, I think that's a good version. If it's not, I don't care. Uh, thanks for listening. To episode 40 in the books. So we hope you had a Merry Christmas and we hope you have a Happy New Year and we hope you're able to get all the cum out of your belly button. Praise Jesus. And send him money. I don't.